Welcome to Building Stronger Creatives, a fitness podcast for musicians, artists, nerds, and former misfits. I'm a former out-of-shape professional musician turned personal trainer and nutrition coach to hundreds of clients, and I'll give you no-nonsense information about what it really takes to get and stay fit within the context of a creative life. Here, you'll find practical advice on strength and endurance training, sane and simple nutrition, habit building, and time management tools to help you make lifestyle changes that actually stick. Most fitness coaches have no clue what it really means to be a creative, whether you're a professional or a passionate hobbyist. I'm different. I've been where you are, and I share your values. Let me show you how you can use the gym to build a kick-ass creative life. Because this is the very first episode, I want to give you a chance to learn a little bit about me. Why am I here? Why am I doing this work? Why am I so passionate about helping creative people, artists, musicians, and the like get in better shape? My own personal story is really at the core of everything that I do. And if I think about my story like a novel, at this point there are quite a few chapters and some of them would be pretty lengthy chapters. So what I want to do today is just to give you a big picture overview of some of the things that I've been through and how they've shaped my work as a trainer. So in future episodes, I plan to dive a little deeper into some of those individual chapters because I think they have a lot of important lessons for people. But today, I just want you to know a little bit about where I came from and where I'm going with my work. So early in life, I was forced to play a lot of sports by my parents. My parents had both been athletes um, to some extent, and it was important to them to have kids that were active. Now, uh, to their credit, it was also important to them to have kids that were good in school and involved in the arts. And so all of these things were a part of my life. Now, unlike school and music and the arts, I was pretty terrible at sports, pretty much at every single sport that I tried. I'll give you a few examples. I was taking some figure skating lessons and literally the first time I showed up to skate, I fell on the ice and I had to go to the ER and get stitches. And I still have a scar on my chin from that fall to this very day. When I played basketball at a community center, my parents told me that it was my goal to make a single basket in a game. And that was a goal that I did not achieve. (laughs) Um, I did soccer. Swimming was my main sport that I stuck with the longest. There were some other things in there as well. But I basically was not very good at any of them. I was clumsy. I literally was picked last for kickball at recess. Like it was everything that you can imagine in terms of a kid that was bad at sports. And it wasn't just that my problems with sports were because I was bad at them. When I was on these teams, starting from a pretty young age, I was bullied pretty ruthlessly for a variety of reasons. One reason is that I was kind of a weird, nerdy kid, which I I really was a weird, nerdy kid. I definitely didn't deserve to be bullied for it, though. And then as I got older, and especially as I transitioned to swimming more, where you have to be in a swimsuit all the time, I started to get bullied for being chubby. Now, as a young kid, I really wasn't overweight, but I grew faster than my peers, and I matured faster, and so I put on more weight, and kids can be really ruthless. So just a combination of factors led to me being teased and bullied and picked on and ostracized really on a lot of these teams. So the message that I was getting through all of this was twofold. First of all, you don't belong here. You're not like us. You know, these aren't your people really was the takeaway that I learned. And then also like, you'll never 
be able to exercise. Like you'll never be in shape. You'll always be chubby. You'll always be slow. And I really internalized these messages on a really deep level. And they stuck with me for years. And I think I've worked through most of them for now, but I'm at this point. But to be honest, you know, those things can stick with you for many years. So I learned to associate exercise and sports and physical activity with shame, with pain, with being bad at things. I was on swim team for a while. My parents wouldn't let me quit. They wouldn't let me quit. I hated it. I complained. I complained. And then finally, they let me quit after my sophomore year of high school. And I was so ecstatic to finally be free of what I viewed as this huge torment. I was also getting really seriously into music at that time. I was doing honor bands. I was doing different ensembles. I was taking lessons. I was traveling. I was really excited about music. So what happened was Midway through high school, I was allowed to quit sports. I was becoming a lot more involved in the arts. And also I was uh, studious. I had a lot of school commitments and things like that. And I just became less and less active. Also around the same time, I really started to develop some problematic behaviors around food. I learned that food was a very effective coping mechanism to help me deal with a lot of the things I was going through. Feeling Uh, you know, getting bullied when I was younger, but then also feeling kind of weird, feeling like nobody liked me, dealing with some mental health issues, dealing with family stress, other things going on. I would just eat. I would eat and I put on quite a lot of weight this way by becoming less active and by eating and eating and really using food as my main tool to help me manage my mental health and my emotional situation and my stress. So, I eventually ended up going to Northwestern to study music, and I was so excited about this. For trombone, which was my instrument, it was really one of the best places to be, and I felt so lucky, and I was so proud. When I got to Northwestern, my first year was challenging in a lot of ways that I didn't expect. So at this point, I had gained so much weight that I would technically be considered obese based on the BMI scale. And um, if you've ever, I don't know how many of you have ever been to the Northwestern campus, but when I went to school there, the music buildings were spread out on different sides of campus. So I would have instruments stored in one building, and then I would have to walk across the other end of campus to get to the other building, carrying a lot of things back and forth, lots of stairs, carrying instruments and music. And I started to have a lot of joint pain that I had never had before. And I'm not even talking about like if you are weak or you have some pre-existing injuries and you go to the gym and work out and then your joints hurt, like I would be sitting in rehearsal doing nothing basically, just sitting there counting rests, waiting to play and my back would just be killing me and my elbows and shoulders would be killing me to the point that it was affecting my ability to perform well. There were other factors as well, like my energy was in the toilet. I'll never forget that my freshman year, I had a seminar in the afternoon. It wasn't a music seminar. It was a history class, and I was really excited for the class. I loved it. But the class was right after lunch, and I learned very quickly that if I didn't drink like five little eight-ounce cups of coffee at lunch, I was 100% going to fall asleep in the seminar because I just was so tired and my energy would be so high and so low and I couldn't sustain it throughout the day. I was exhausted and I was really relying on caffeine to power me through those classes. And then the other thing was that I just didn't feel very good about myself. Not only was I dealing with these physical issues that were affecting me in lots of ways, I didn't like the way I looked. I knew I had gained weight. I was frustrated with myself. I knew that the way I was eating wasn't really working well for me. And I just felt so insecure. 
if you're listening to this and you're any kind of performing artist, or even if you have a regular job, quote unquote, but you give presentations and stuff, you know that the way you feel about yourself and the way you carry yourself really have such a huge impact when you step up on stage or step up in a boardroom or something like that. If you don't like yourself, you don't feel good about the things that you're doing and the way you're treating yourself, it absolutely affects the outcomes that you're producing. So all of this stuff was going on. In the meantime, I I did have a good freshman year. I loved being there. I went home uh, from Omaha. I went home to do like a routine doctor's appointment. Wasn't expecting anything to come of it. Just a basic blood test. Doctor puts a stethoscope on you, that sort of thing. And what happened was after the appointment, I got a call from the doctor and she informed me that my uh, glucose levels were at pre-diabetic levels, which basically meant that I was on the fast track to developing type 2 diabetes. Now, this experience really changed my whole life. It really stopped me in my tracks. Obviously, many, many chronic illnesses and conditions are completely outside of our control. Genetics play a part, environment plays a part, accidents happen. But in my case, I knew that the reason I was in this place was because of my actions and because of the way I had been treating myself and because of the things I was doing and not doing. And not only that, I was looking at myself as I'm on the cusp of real adult life. I was 19 years old and I thought, wow, am I really going to live the rest of my life in this physical condition? Am I going to develop chronic illnesses that in my case at least could have been prevented? And I was not willing to accept that. I didn't want it to happen. I was so terrified and so afraid. Now, I knew I had to do something. But I, it wasn't like I had never tried anything before. Like I had exercised before, I had tried to make changes to my eating, but nothing really stuck. This time was different because I just, again, I felt so motivated to my core. And I had stumbled upon some resources online that were encouraging. It was kind of like a good timing situation. And I realized that if I made some simple changes and I stuck with it consistently, I did not expect a dramatic change to happen right away, but if I stuck with it, that I would see progress and I would move in the right direction. And so I kind of put my faith in that idea. And it was different than the way I had approached change before, which was like (laughs) all kinds of silly things, like don't eat for two days. And then, you know, when I got really hungry and ate and then I didn't lose any weight, I I would give up. Or trying to do a lot of exercise that wasn't working for my body. Like I went through a phase where I tried to do a lot of running and things like that and my knees were killing me. This time I was like, I'm just going to take it slow. I'm going to be consistent and I'm going to learn as I go. So over the next like six months, I lost about 65 pounds. Now I do want to caveat that that's pretty dramatic transformation. And the reason why I could do that is because I was young. I was 19 years old. I didn't have a lot of the responsibilities that my adult clients have now. I mean, I was in school, but I, I didn't have kids. I didn't have a home. I had total control basically over what I was doing. And also, I didn't have a long history of yo-yo dieting at that point, so my metabolism was pretty responsive. So I just want to say, like, I don't uh, think my results were necessarily typical, but it was such an encouraging and fun experience for me. The way that I got there was pretty simple. I was working out most days. Some days I did strength training. I'll talk more about this in another episode, but I really had no idea what I was doing at the beginning. I used to go to the weight room with two by four note cards and I'd have like different muscles written on them and I'd like go around from machine to machine making sure I hit all the muscles. Like that was my approach to training. But it worked at first because I was really starting from ground zero in some ways. Other days I did group exercise classes. I did kickboxing and I did spinning primarily. Those were fun because I could just show up. I didn't have to think 
I didn't have to make any decisions. I just went through the class. And then because I was at college, I was doing probably a little bit more walking and cycling than some other people might have been. So that was my exercise plan. In terms of nutrition, I learned how to track, weigh, and measure my food, and I counted calories. It really was that simple. At the beginning, at least, I didn't have any dogma about which foods I should or shouldn't be eating. I remember that first maybe two or three months of that initial diet, like I had a sandwich every day for lunch. I remember bringing it to my music history class in the afternoon, and I would eat eggs and things for the morning, and sometimes on the weekend I would have beer or I would have treats and stuff, but I just logged it all, and I tried to make sure that my average over the course of the week was where it needed to be. So like I said, this initial period was very successful, very successful and very, very empowering for me because I saw clearly for the first time, I have the power to make changes to my health, to make changes to my body and to get stronger and feel better. I lost a lot of weight, but also my joint pain went away. I felt so much more confident stepping up on stage. I just had this deep sense of pride in myself and that really reverberated throughout my whole life. Now, I wish I could tell you that this is the end of the story, happily ever after, and I've been maintaining that progress with no issues ever since. But one of my missions through my work and through this podcast is that I really want to be real with you about what it actually takes to get and also to stay in shape. It's okay, it's tough, but it's relatively easier to have a dramatic transformation in a short period of time than it is to maintain it over the long term. That's why you hear the statistic that 95% of diets fail. It's because a lot of people regain some or all of the weight. Now, um, as a side note, I think if you can maintain even like 10 to 20% of your weight loss progress, that's that can be huge and can absolutely transform your life. But I didn't know any of this. I got to a point where I was maybe about 10 pounds from my goal weight. And I thought, okay, like I need to do something a little bit more extreme to get these last 10 pounds. And this was when I started to slip into like a really extended period that I think of as the dark years. So this started with me really restricting my calories a lot through the use of intermittent fasting. I was, I'm not a small person, I'm five foot eight and I was fairly active, but I was eating a really low amount of calories and I was skipping meals. I was training a lot. Um, I had a lot of negative health effects from this, but I like still couldn't quite get to where I wanted to be. And then I started having problems with reverbing uh, binges. So what I mean by that is like, I would be really restrictive, really restrictive, suffer, suffer, white knuckle. And then I would have a huge binge, like a compensatory binge because my brain and my body just couldn't handle the stress anymore. And then I would feel terrible about myself. I'd say, okay, I'm going to do better next time. I'm going to be even more strict. And the same thing would happen. I also... I started getting into some other restrictive diets that had a lot more rules about food. So for a while, I was really interested in like the paleo diet. I started getting into keto. I started doing some other things. I did a Whole30. And all of this stuff just fed all these neuroses about food. Before, I don't have any food allergies. I should say I can eat gluten. I can eat dairy. No problem. Before, I had no issues with any of these things. After, I was like really like kind of psychotic about it. I remember at one time when I was doing the paleo diet, I went home to visit my family and we went out to one of our favorite sushi restaurants. And like, I'll never forget this. I was such an asshole. And 
we would normally just order rolls to share, but I flat out refused to eat rice. Wrap your head around that for a second. And I made them order me a sashimi platter just for me. So I sat there eating my expensive sashimi platter all by myself while everyone else enjoyed themselves. And I really felt in retrospect, like I, I killed the mood and I was being totally unreasonable. I would go home and like I would go through my parents' cabinets and like throw things away that I didn't think they should be eating. And then I couldn't understand why. Why do they get so upset with me? I'm just trying to help. Um, And all of this stuff just really fueled a lot of anxiety around food. I was constantly worried about eating the wrong thing. I thought that if I wasn't perfect, if I wasn't following some sort of really strict plan, that I was just going to balloon back up to my original starting weight that I had lost. And What happened, again, was just more and more binging. Restrictive rules, hardcore dieting, lots of shame, lots of obsession. I would eventually hit a breaking point and I would binge. And the binges were getting more intense, um, larger quantities of food. Um, They would make me feel a lot worse emotionally. Um, They started getting more frequent. So it stopped being just on the weekends and it would be during the week. It would be um, days and days at a time. It became a serious problem. And at one point, I had to kind of have a um, a moment with myself where I recognized that I was at a point where I actually had a real eating disorder. And it was affecting my relationships. It was affecting, again, my work, my ability to show up in the world. It was affecting my health, especially my mental health. My mental health was really, really damaged by this cycle. I had no self-trust. I thought, what's the point of doing anything? I thought, I'm no good. I'll never figure this out. And all kinds of other stories and things that were just really rooted in like shame and, and despair, to be honest. And then, I mean, throughout this period, like there were moments where things were better. And again, I'll talk more about this in separate podcasts. But for example, there was a year that I lived in San Francisco and I loved it there. I was super happy. Um, I did really well with food. I wasn't stressed. But then I would always, something would always happen, like I moved back home um, to Chicago and and life got more stressful and I ended up in my same old habits. And what that told me was that I wasn't really fixing the root of the problem. I was just maybe having temporary band-aids where I would lose more weight, I'd feel better, I wouldn't be binging, but then I would always go back to it. What I had to do to break free from this cycle, to stop the incredible anxiety and neurosis and obsessive behavior around food and also to stop losing and regaining a lot of the same weight over and over was to really get honest with myself about how serious the problem was and what it was going to take to fix it. It was not another diet. At this point, and I'll talk in a few minutes about what I was doing professionally during all this time, but I was working in the fitness industry already, helping clients. I knew a lot. I knew a lot about nutrition. I had nutrition certifications. It was not an information problem. It was not a diet problem. It was not a willpower problem. It was a combination of a mental, emotional, stress, and even spiritual problem. So what I had to do to break free from this took many, many years. Lots of trial and error, lots of failures. I worked with several coaches that were very, very empathetic and supportive and helped me feel a lot less alone. I actually went and got professional help, uh, mental help, mental health help, it's a mouthful, by going to therapy, by going to eating disorder recovery meetings, by meeting other people who were in recovery or trying to be in recovery, and just continuing to show up and do the hard work to understand more about what it means to have 
um, you know, addictive behaviors, unhelpful coping mechanisms, um, an inability to manage your emotional life, to feel like you can effectively deal with stress without resorting to destructive behaviors. I had to really do a lot of inner work to get there. And ultimately, the real shift that happened somewhat recently, I mean, my fitness journey has been going on now since 2011. So as I'm telling you this story, you know, this spans more than a decade of work and ups and downs. But the real realization happened when I just started to think like this strategy of treating myself like shit, of eating like this, of going through these binging cycles, it just doesn't work anymore. When I was a bullied kid, a kid who didn't have the kind of support or connection that she needed, food was there for her and it helped. It really did help. But eventually the problems that it created were too great and it stopped working and it started getting to a point where it was truly destroying my life. I realized that I had to do something different and I had to take a different approach and I had to uh, really show up for myself and vote for, you know, a better life. And so, again, I want to talk more about this in depth later, but I do want to share, like, if you're someone who, like me, was either overweight or obese or is never involved in fitness, there the journey that you're going to go on is very worth it, but there are a lot of ups and downs. I hope and I'm sure that most of you won't end up in as serious of a position as I did. But just know like if you have some initial success and then you backslide and then you get successful again and you have some setbacks, it's normal. It's normal and it's part of the process. And that's why it's so important if you're going to work with a coach to work with someone who understands, who's not going to just expect that you do it their way and everything will be fine. A coach who is going to help you learn how to actually maintain weight. Losing weight is one thing, but maintaining weight, maintaining health results and progress is an entirely different skill set. And many coaches are ignoring that. And then you need a coach who understands how this all fits into your life. Like if you're an artist, you're a musician, you have a desk job, but you want to be involved in your creative pursuits, like you can't be wasting time and energy doing these crazy restrictive diets and training programs like I did because it sucks all the joy and fun and energy out of life. So I hope that this can give you some insight as to why I'm so passionately against like fad diets and extreme restriction because I've really taken it all the way to its conclusion and it's a really dark place that you don't want to go to. So hopefully that's encouraging and also helpful to let you know that you don't have to go down that path. So one positive during all of these dark years, as I call them, and one thing that I'm really, really deeply proud of is that throughout this entire time, even at my worst battles with my eating disorder, even when my eating was completely out of control, I was very stressed going through big life transitions, I always kept training in some capacity. I kept lifting weights, I kept doing cardio activities like riding my bike and swimming. And because of that, the fitness progress that I've seen, the strength gains, the endurance gains, my ability to move well. As a side note, I used to be like so uncoordinated and clumsy and awkward. And now I'm I'm, I'm still those things, but I have so much greater control and connection with my body. It really feels like a completely different body than I had before. So doing all that stuff and continuing to show up in the fitness realm did pay big dividends. So that's something that I also really value. Like even if life feels like a mess, it feels like you're not where you want to be with eating, maybe your job or your uh, personal life are really stressful, you can keep exercising in the ways that you can manage with your schedule. And that can be one of the best things. It really anchored me to sanity during those years. So another reason why I'm such a big fan of exercise, no matter what your body or your food goals are. So I want to outline for you like kind of what I view as my personal transformation. 
who was I before? So back in 2010, 2011, before I had my health scare, first of all, I was incredibly insecure and self-conscious, obsessed with my body, worried constantly about how other people thought of me. And it wasn't just in my own head, like I had been bullied a lot for those things. So it makes sense that they were top of mind. I was for sure weak and out of shape. I would get winded walking upstairs. My back was killing me. I had all these issues that a healthy 19, 18, 19 year old shouldn't have been dealing with. I had lots of aches and pains, as I mentioned. I really had no concept of healthy eating and no idea how to cook. I knew really basic things like you should eat vegetables. (laughs) But beyond that, I really didn't know. And that's partially why I was so susceptible to some of these fad diets because I thought, oh wow, like these smart people, they know something I don't know about food. And these days, as I'll mention in a second, I really take a much more simple approach. But at the time I knew nothing, I didn't know how to cook, I didn't know anything about eating. I always played small, like I took some risks, sure, mostly things that were like clearly laid out in the professional path that I was pursuing, but I didn't like other people to be looking at me. I didn't want to be the center of attention. I didn't want to do anything for fun that like my body might be shown. All of these things just kept me in a really tiny box. And I had this identity as I'm not a fit person. Like I had a very strong identity as a creative person, as a musician, as an artist, but I'm not a fit person. I'm not an athlete. Those aren't my people. I don't belong there. Now in 2022, so approaching... Um, 11 years on this path seriously for me. Here's where I am now. First of all, I'm confident. I'm clear on who I am and who I want to be. I am not nearly as obsessed with my body. Do I still want to look good? Do I want to build muscle? Yes, I do. If I'm not where I want to be, if my, I don't know, am I so caught up in nitpicking little details about my body that I'm letting it affect my life? Absolutely not. That phase is behind me. Physically, I'm very strong and I'm very fit. I crush it at the gym. I do all kinds of things that if you asked me 10 years ago, I would say there's no way in hell that I'd ever be doing that. I have a lot of energy so I can do things like ride my bike to work all the time. I can go backpacking. I can climb. I can do all these things and I can do them honestly at the drop of a hat because I've built such a foundation of fitness. I'm physically resilient and I'm pain-free. Now, I, again, I've been lucky. I've been very healthy for the most part physically, and I haven't had that many major accidents. So these things might affect your ability to be pain-free. But before, you know, I had knee pain, back pain, elbow pain. I was struggling with really simple things. And now I can do way 10 times beyond the things I could do before, and I can do them without pain. And that feels really, really good and empowering. On the flip side of someone who knows nothing about healthy eating, um, just someone who's completely obsessed with all the wrong things, I've now created a really balanced and sane approach to eating. My approach is simple, but it's satisfying, it's effective, it is not that time-consuming, and it is nourishing me so that I can live the kind of life that I want to live. It's also balanced in the way that works for me. So I like to travel. I love trying restaurants. I love eating good food. I'm not the kind of person who's such a slave to healthy eating that I can't enjoy those things. I take up a lot more space in the world now. This goes along with being more confident, but I no longer 
if I'm walking by someone, I remember when I first started at one of my gyms, an older trainer who was kind of a mentor figure to me, he said, like, when you walk by people in the hallway, you, like, physically shy away from them. You, like, turn and look at the floor. And I don't do things like that anymore. I just show up as the weirdo that I am, and I do the things that I want to do. So, like I said, I travel. Um, I go out and dance, which is something I never, ever did. In high school, I always hated dances because I didn't want to put on a dress, and I didn't want anybody looking at me. I just do what I want to do now, and I don't worry about the way that I look so much and I definitely don't worry about my body not supporting me because I built that foundation of fitness and then lastly my identity has really done a complete 180 this goes way beyond just working in the fitness industry like I see myself as a fit person someone who prioritizes exercise and movement really above many other things as someone who can take on physical challenges and even as an athlete which is like so far from where I began my journey. Sure, I'm never going to go play softball. I'm probably never going to make many hoops in basketball, even today. But I know that I can do whatever I want to physically. And that feels really, really good and really, really empowering. Not to put a finer point on that, but empowering is really kind of the, the big feeling that I get when I think over everything that I've accomplished, even with all of the ups and downs over the years. So I want to share briefly to wrap it up here, like what have I been doing professionally through all this? Because the title of this episode is From Out of Shape Musician to Personal Trainer. And this professional journey goes right along with my personal journey. The reason that I am so passionate about what I do is because I've seen firsthand how getting in shape can completely transform everything about your life. And that is especially true for people who are in the arts, because like I said, this initial transformation happened in music school and it really improved my playing. It improved the way I showed up in the world and it improved my ability to take risks and things like that. So my first training gig I got while I was still at Northwestern, my mom had encouraged me to get a personal training certification after I'd lost some weight because she saw I was interested in it and she said it would be a good part-time job while I was taking auditions and things like that. So I was training my Northwestern Music School classmates for dirt cheap at this old campus gym that uh, was very understaffed, like I should not have been able to do what I did, but that's a whole nother story. And that was the first, like right out of the gate in 2014 when I started training clients, my first experience was musicians. And I was like, these are my people. I love these people. I love seeing how getting stronger helps them, helps them feel better. And that was really the spark of my entire career. I mentioned that I was in California. I went out there to go to the San Francisco Conservatory of Music, which I didn't end up completing. At the time I was in grad school, I was doing some professional gigs, um, educational gigs, things like that. But I was also working part time at 24 Hour Fitness. That was my first like corporate kind of gym job. So before I just worked for myself. Now I had a boss. <laughs> I had to follow rules. But I also got to work with lots of different types of people, which was very helpful and exciting for me. When I left the music world, I moved back to Chicago in 2015, I think it was, and I decided that I wanted to transition into training full-time. I knew I loved training. I knew that I had skills. I knew I had potential. So I interviewed at basically every commercial gym in Chicago, and I ended up working at a, a local kind of higher-end chain, which was really a really great job. I learned so much there. My coworkers were great. I got to work with so many amazing people. Some of the clients that I trained today, I met in my first year working there. So I've been working with people for five, six, seven years at this point. I worked at this gym for six years through the pandemic, through all the ups and downs. 
And in 2021, I decided that I was ready to go fully on my own. I should mention that I had also been training online clients for some time, I think since like 2017. So I had my online business, I was working at the gym, and I decided that I wanted to branch out on my own. And since then, I've especially gone all in on my desire to work with creatives because these are the people that I, I really understand because, again, this was my whole life was trying to be a professional musician until the last 10 years or so. And I know what it means to, like, chase that dream. I understand what you value. I understand your priorities. I understand concerns about how activity and things might affect your ability to perform or create. And, like, even from my early days, I, I always fit in with creative people, with other nerds. And so I really am so passionate about working with people like you to show you that, like me, or in your own way, you can have a transformation that will make you a stronger human, a more resilient human, and also a better creative, more energized, more focused, and better able to show up for your work and the people that you love. And also someone who's ready to do fun shit. Like, I like to have fun. I like to travel and do cool things. And I wouldn't be able to do some of the things that I do if I wasn't in shape. And so again, that's another lesson or gift that I hope to give to you through my work. So I hope that through all this, you kind of learn a little bit more about what makes me tick, what motivates me. Again, I kind of skimmed over some parts of this, but I did want to give you a sense of the full scope of my story, the whole arc of transformation. I don't think that my story is done. I don't think it'll ever be done, but I think that I've come a long way and I really am so excited to share all the things that I've learned with my clients and with you listeners and anybody else who discovers my work along the way. So Thank you for listening. And in the next episode, I'm going to talk specifically about why creatives and artists need strength training. So please tune in for that. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Building Stronger Creatives. If something you heard resonated with you, I would love for you to share this episode with someone else who might enjoy it. I also always appreciate comments, ratings, and reviews. These things help me get the word out to other creatives who could benefit from this type of information. See you back on the next episode. Until then, stay curious, stay passionate, and stay strong.